Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Live from the Bloomberg Interactive Brokers Studios, this is Bloomberg Daybreak for Friday, November 18th, 2022. Coming up this hour. A leadership change on Capitol Hill. Nancy Pelosi withdraws as Democratic leader. Stocks enter this last day of the week looking to reverse two days of losses. Elon Musk's ultimatum spur an exodus at Twitter. And Amazon says job cuts could continue into next year. Buffalo, New York is getting slammed by a major snowstorm. Plus, today, the U.S. has condemned North Korea latest weapons test. I'm Michael Barr. More ahead. I'm John Stanshower in sports. Aaron Judge named MVP. The Titans beat the Packers. The Nets and Devils won. The Rangers and Islanders lost. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak. On Bloomberg 1130 New York. Bloomberg 991 Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 1061 Boston. Bloomberg 960 San Francisco. Sirius XM 119. And around the world on BloombergRadio.com and via the Bloomberg Business App. Good Friday morning. I'm Amy Morris. And I'm Nathan Hager. Futures are pointed higher this morning. We're coming up to 501 on Wall Street, and we check the markets every 15 minutes during the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P futures are up 10 points. Dow futures up 48. NASDAQ futures are higher by 36 points. The uh, 10-year Treasury is down 10.30 seconds. The yield 3.80%. Yield on the two-year 4.48%. The DAX in Germany is up 7 tenths percent. The CAC in Paris up 6 tenths of 1%. NYMEX crude is up 4 tenths percent or 30 cents at $81.94 a barrel. COMEX gold up 2 tenths percent at 1781.10 an ounce. And the euro 1.0378 against the dollar. Amy? Hey, Nathan, we begin in Washington, where reaction is still pouring into Nancy Pelosi stepping down as House Democratic leader. The move opens the way for a general generational change in leadership. Democrats now rallying behind Brooklyn native Hakeem Jeffries as their next leader. We spoke with former New York congressman and Democratic caucus chair Joe Crowley about the shift. I think he will be cordial. I think he'll be professional. Uh, they may not agree. They may not even like each other. But I don't think that's going to stop Hakeem. Uh, from doing what he thinks is the best interest uh, of the American people. And I think that is paramount there. Former New York Congressman Joe Crowley spoke with our Washington correspondent, Joe Matthew, on Bloomberg's Sound On. You can catch the show weekday afternoons at 5 p.m. Wall Street time on Bloomberg Radio. All right, Amy, now let's talk markets. Stocks enter this final day of the week, coming off two days of losses. Allspring Global Investments head of Active Equity and Maletti says we may be closing in on a bottom. If we're headed into a recession, if we're headed into this environment of higher rates, higher inflation, how can really, you know, risk assets, meme stocks, cryptocurrency, things like that continue to be either go up or be stable? And the fact that we're finally seeing breakdowns in those markets is um, a welcoming sign. It, it means that we're getting closer to the, you know, maybe to the bottoming period. 
Allspring Global Investments' Ann Maletti notes the S&P's lowest level came just last month with a reading just shy of 3,500. Now, weighing on markets, more hawkish talk from the Fed. St. Louis Fed President James Bullard is saying interest rates should rise to at least 5% to curb inflation. The policy rate still isn't at a zone that might be considered sufficiently restrictive. To get to this sufficiently restrictive level of policy, uh, we'll need to increase the policy rate further. St. Louis Fed President James Bullard does not appear to be alone in that assessment. His tough talk being echoed by Minneapolis Fed President Neil Kashkari. We are all united in our commitment to getting inflation back down to our 2% target. It's an open question of how far we are going to have to go with interest rates to bring that demand down into balance. We have raised interest rates a lot this year, so there's a lot of tightening in the pipeline. We have not felt the full effects yet, and yet inflation is still very high. Minneapolis Fed President Neil Kashkari says the full effect of rate hikes may not be felt for a year or more. All right, let's turn to corporate news now, Amy, where the focus is back on Elon Musk. The self-proclaimed chief twit is finding some of his ultimatums at Twitter are falling flat. Ed Baxter has the story from our Bloomberg 960 newsroom in San Francisco. The latest ultimatum to commit to the company's new hardcore work environment or leave the company by the deadline to sign the agreement hundreds of employees had refused with many posting the now familiar salute which is the sign that they are leaving the company. Now, this prompted Musk to change his work-at-home policy and leave it up to managers to ensure the company that the workers are making an excellent contribution. The question remains, though, how many employees either will remain or will return, whether there'll be enough to service the system. In San Francisco, I'm Ed Baxter, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right. Thank you, Ed. And while Musk is cutting staff in the U.S., it may be a different picture overseas. The EU's internal market commissioner says Musk will have to increase the number of Twitter moderators in Europe. He also wants Musk to share Twitter's algorithms. Terry Brayton made those comments in an interview with France Info. Well, I mean, the pain at Amazon may not end anytime soon. CEO Andy Jassy says the e-commerce giant will be cutting jobs into next year as it adjusts to business conditions. We get that story from Bloomberg's Charlie Pellet. These represent his first public comments about the cost reduction plans roiling Amazon since reports that have planned to wipe out about 10,000 jobs. In a statement, Jassy said, quote, leaders across the company are working with their teams and looking at their workforce levels, investments they want to make in the future, and prioritizing what matters most to customers and the long-term health of our businesses. Some employees posting to company message boards have been critical of Jassy being silent this week since news of the job cuts became public. In New York, Charlie Pellet, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, thank you, Charlie. Taking a look at some stocks on the move this morning. Shares of applied materials are up 4%. The chip equipment maker gave a sales forecast that beat estimates thanks to supply chain improvements. Shares of Gap are up almost 8%. Comparable sales for the third quarter topped estimates at Gap. And another retailer, Ross Stores, is up 16%. That's after boosting its full-year forecast. And despite all the turmoil from FTX, Amy, Bitcoin's heading for a weekly gain. The token's up about 3% this week while a gauge of the leading 100 virtual coins has added about 1%. That's a sharp contrast to last week when Bitcoin slid 23% as Sam Bankman-Fried's FTX empire collapsed. 
Checking Bitcoin right now, it's up four-tenths percent at $16,740. S&P futures are up nine points. Dow futures up 47. NASDAQ futures up 35. The 10-year Treasury down 10.30 seconds. The yield 3.80%. Local headlines and a check of sports next. This is Bloomberg. Thank you, Nathan. It is 5.07 on Wall Street. Let's bring in Michael Barr with more on what else is going on in New York and around the world. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, Amy. Lake effect snow is burying parts of the Midwest and Northeast. In western New York, a driving ban is in effect for all of Erie County, home to nearly one million people. This is considered an extreme event, an extreme weather event. That means it's dangerous. It also means it's life-threatening. New York Governor Kathy Hochul says at least three feet of snow is forecast by the end of the weekend. The word has been out nationally, statewide, locally to all the commercial truck drivers. You need to stay off the New York State Thruway and the other roads to be identified during this storm event for your protection but also the protection of other motorists on the road. Governor Hochul, in November of 2014, a lake effect system dumped more than five feet of snow on western New York and left 13 people dead. New York Governor Hochul announced that construction of a new terminal at JFK Airport would begin early next year following a pause in the project due to the pandemic. According to a statement from Hochul's office, the new terminal, Terminal 6, is a privately financed development that is expected to cost around $4.2 billion. The first phase is expected to be done by 2026. New Jersey Governor Phil Murphy and his wife paid $1.79 million in state and federal taxes in 2021. According to a tax return summary released by his office, the Democratic governor also donated almost $700,000. The couple reported federal taxable income of almost $5 million. Murphy is a retired senior director at Goldman Sachs. North Korea has fired an intercontinental ballistic missile that landed near Japanese waters in the second major weapons test this month that showed the potential ability to launch nuclear strikes on all of the U.S. mainland. The U.S. quickly slammed the launch and vowed to take all necessary measures to guarantee the safety of its mainland and allies, South Korea and Japan. Vice President Kamala Harris in Thailand for the Asia-Pacific Economic Cooperation Leader Summit. Together, the countries represented here will continue to urge North Korea to commit to serious and sustained diplomacy. Meanwhile, China and Russia have opposed U.S. moves to toughen sanctions against the North. A final Senate vote to pass legislation to protect the right of Thanksgiving uh, Thanksgiving holiday, uh, rather, that uh, the same-sex marriage is going to be pushed until after the Thanksgiving holiday. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg Emmy. All right. Thank you, Michael. Time now for the Sports Report, brought to you by Tri-State Audi. Here's John Stashauer. Thanks, Amy. There had been some talk that despite what Aaron Judge was doing, hitting all those home runs, what Shohei Otani was doing, hitting and pitching, was worthy of a repeat American League MVP award. But in the end, the vote was lopsided. Judge got 28 first-place votes. Otani only two. And Judge in the season where he, of course, hit a record 62 home runs. First Yankee outfielder to be named MVP since Mickey Mantle in 1962. The Cardinals' Paul Goldschmidt won in the National League. What a win for the Nets in Portland. A tip-in with less than a second to go by Royce O'Neal and a 109-107 win over the Blazers. Kevin Durant scored 35. He recently made some comments about the lack of talent around him, but 
O'Neal had a triple-double, and Ben Simmons had his best game as a net. He scored 15. Knicks already 2-0 on their trip. They're playing tonight at Golden State. Overtime in the NHL, a win for the Devils. Another win, 3-2 in Toronto to stretch their winning streak to 11. An OT loss for the Rangers, 3-2 in Seattle. Vincent Trocek had tied the game with two minutes left. The Islanders lost in Nashville. 5-4. to four. St. John's now 4-0, beat Nebraska by 20 in Brooklyn. Arizona State beat Michigan by 25. Thursday night football in Green Bay. Tennessee won 27-17. Ryan Tannehill outplayed Aaron Rodgers. 22 of 27, 333 passing yards, two touchdowns. Derrick Henry scored. He also threw a TD pass, and the Titans have won seven of their last eight. Packers have lost six of their last seven. The Eagles have signed veteran defensive tackle in Dominican Sioux. Sunday's Browns-Bills game moved out of snowy Buffalo. It'll be played indoors in Detroit. John Stashauer, Bloomberg Sports. Amy. All right. Thank you, John. Futures are higher. S&P up 14 points. Dow futures up 74. NASDAQ futures up 51. This is Bloomberg. The Bloomberg Sports Report was brought to you by Audi. Don't let someone else drive off in the Audi model you've always wanted. Visit your local Tri-State Audi dealer to get behind the wheel of yours today or visit AudiOffers.com for more information. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business App, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. I'm Nathan Hager. Futures are moving higher this morning. Stocks are looking to snap two days of losses uh, triggered by a realization the Federal Reserve and other major central banks see no reason to pause rate hikes anytime soon. We check the markets every 15 minutes during the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P futures right now are up 17 points. Dow futures up 103. NASDAQ futures are higher by 64 points. The DAX in Germany and CAC in Paris both up 1% right now. Ten-year Treasury is down 9.30 seconds. The yield 3.79%. Yield on the two-year 4.47%. NYMEX crude's up almost a half percent, up 37 cents at 82.01 a barrel. COMEX gold is up two-tenths percent, $3.70 higher at seventeen eighty-one fifty an ounce. The euro is trading at 1.0372 against the dollar right now. The British pound, 1.1925. The yen, 139.93. 10 a.m. Wall Street time. We get existing home sales and the October leading index. It's Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, Nathan. North Korea has fired an intercontinental ballistic missile that landed near Japanese waters. It's the second major weapons test this month that showed a potential ability to launch nuclear strikes on all of the U.S. mainland. The Biden administration told a judge Saudi Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman cannot be sued in the U.S. over the murder of journalist Jamal Khashoggi because... As a head of a government, he is immune. If the judge adopts the U.S. finding, it would effectively end the lawsuit filed by Khashoggi's fiancée. In the NBA, the Nets lost. In the NHL, the Rangers lost to the Kraken in OT 3-2. The Devils won their 11th straight. This one in OT against the Maple Leafs 3-2. The Islanders lost. The Bruins won. Capitals lost in a shootout to the Blues 5-4. In football, the Titans down the Packers 27-17. In baseball, the Yankees' Aaron Judge won the AL MVP. The Cardinals' Paul Goldschmidt won the NL honor. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg Amy. 
All right. Thank you, Michael. It is 520 on Wall Street. We're live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi stepping down from her leadership position as Republicans prepare to take over the majority in the House of Representatives. We are joined now by Chief U.S. Policy Strategist Greg Valliere at AGF Investments. Greg, good morning to you. Thank you for taking the time with us today. Were you at all surprised by Pelosi's decision? No, not at all. Good morning, Amy. I think that she had telegraphed this for several months, that she wouldn't uh, uh, continue as as speaker. But there are other factors. Obviously, her husband's uh, attack, uh, her very frosty relations with uh, Kevin McCarthy, but maybe most importantly, a desire to start elevating a new generation of of Democratic leaders. Yes, she did say it was time for a new generation to lead the Democrats. Who would that be? Well, Hakeem Jeffries, number one. It looks like he is the odds-on favorite to become speaker. There are others, but I think Jeffries is going to be a pretty easy victor in the voting for speaker. I was going to uh, ask you about that. I was wondering if this could cause even more of a rift within the Democratic Party where progressives and more moderate Democrats might wind up going head-to-head over those leadership positions, or is this an opportunity for them to unify? I think it's an opportunity to unify, but at the same time, this is going to be a very, very partisan uh, new session of Congress starting in January when Kevin McCarthy, of course, is the speaker. Uh, I think that the focus on investigations, especially into Joe Biden's affairs, is going to poison the well pretty quickly. Greg, let's talk about that. Um, Republicans ready to put forth their new agenda. One of their issues is going to be investigating President Biden in relation to his son, Hunter Biden's foreign business deals. What does that tell you about the Republican agenda as they go uh, as they take the majority in the House? Well, I think it shows that there's not a lot legislatively they can do with a margin of three seats, four seats, but they can have subpoena power. And I think it'll be more than just an investigation of Joe Biden. It may be an investigation of our very porous border uh, between the U.S. and Texas. It may be an investigation of the origins of COVID, of Joe Biden's withdrawal from Afghanistan. The list will go on and on, and I think these investigations may overshadow any attempt to get much legislation enacted. Let me ask you a sidebar question to that, and it's a little esoteric, but get, but bear with me. When the electorate watches the uh, House manufacture or not manufacture, but work on issues like those investigations, correct, instead of working on things like, you know, gas prices, inflation, you know, the bread and butter issues that affect voters, does that eventually impact their vote two years later in 2024? I'm thinking way out there. It could. I mean, the Republicans have won uh, or done fairly well in this election by saying that uh, they're going to go after excessive spending, uh, inflation. There are a lot of really legitimate policy issues. But if they focus not on that, but on simply these investigations, it could backfire on them politically. Republicans hold a slim majority in the House. Democrats hold a slim majority in the Senate. Does that tell you anything about the electorate itself in the U.S.? Yeah, pretty divided, isn't it? I, I think that the, the voters, though, 
to me, sent an important, two important signals. Number one, I think that the, the electorate favors moderates. I think if you get too extreme on the left or the right, that makes a candidate vulnerable. Number two, I thought the most encouraging thing in this election was that there was no significant voter fraud. Uh, I and many people were worried uh, for the last few months that we could have a repeat of the very contentious uh, election with charges of fraud afterwards. That hasn't happened. That's very encouraging. Only 30 seconds here, Greg. Do you anticipate gridlock in the coming Congress or perhaps a forced cooperation among lawmakers? Mostly gridlock. Uh, I think that for the markets, that's a good story. Uh, Many people in the markets think that gridlock is good because it means They do less harm. And I think on issue after issue, they're just going to spin their wheels. All right, Chief U.S. Policy Strategist Greg Vallier at AGF Investments. It is always a pleasure. Thank you very much for joining us on this Friday morning, looking ahead at the next Congress and the Republican majority. Looking at futures now, S&P futures up 14 points, Dow futures up 77, NASDAQ futures up 49. Ten-year Treasury down 9.30 seconds. The yield at 3.79%. Two-year yield at 4.48%. Much more still to come on this Friday morning edition on Bloomberg Daybreak. We'll be checking the markets and bringing you the latest news in business, economics, and finance. Stay with us. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg Daybreak is brought to you by the New York Community Trust. Your name will live on as a champion of the causes you care about for years to come through a charitable bequest to the New York Community Trust. Learn more at philanthropist.nyc. Broadcasting live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studio in New York. Bloomberg 1130. To Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 99.1. To Boston. Bloomberg 1061. To San Francisco. Bloomberg 960. To the country. Sirius XM Channel 119. And around the globe. The Bloomberg Business App and BloombergRadio.com. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. It's 5.30 on Wall Street. Good morning. I'm Nathan Hager. I'm Amy Morris. Bloomberg Daybreak is brought to you by SEI. Asset managers don't get results that are off the charts when their solutions are off the shelf. Learn how SEI's operating platform can turn infrastructure into a competitive advantage at SEIC.com slash tech. And we're about four hours away from the open of U.S. trading, Amy. Let's get you up to date on the news you need to know at this hour. Beginning in Washington, where Democrats are weighing Nancy Pelosi's replacement as House Democratic leader. Party is rallying behind Brooklyn, New York native Hakeem Jeffries. Former New York Congressman and Democratic Caucus Chair Joe Crowley spoke with us about the shift in leadership. He's a great orator. He has great skills. He's very smart. And uh, I, I think he knows how to build coalitions. And that's what's so critical about being in Congress. Former New York Congressman Joe Crowley spoke with our Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Sound On. You can catch the show weekdays at 5 p.m. Eastern on Bloomberg Radio. Nathan, now to markets where stocks enter the last day of the week, coming off two losing days, weighing on investor sentiment more hawkish Fed speak. Minneapolis Fed President Neil Kashkari says the inflation battle is far from over. We have raised interest rates a lot this year, so there's a lot of tightening in the pipeline. We have not felt the full effects yet, and yet inflation is still very high. 
Minneapolis Fed President Neil Kashkari says the full effect of rate hikes may not be felt for a year or more. St. Louis Fed President James Bullard made similarly hawkish comments, saying interest rates should rise to at least 5%. All right, to corporate news now, Amy, where Twitter turmoil continues. Elon Musk gave employees an ultimatum to adopt to the company's new work environment or leave. Many are not signing on, which is reportedly putting Twitter's operations at risk. Dan Ives at Wedbush Security says Musk's leadership does not inspire much confidence for investors. It's been a circus show. And I think there was a view as a Tesla holder that once Musk bought Twitter, it would start to die down. But instead, it hasn't. Dan Ives at Wedbush says Musk has his hands full. He also says social media companies like Twitter have likely already seen their best periods for growth. Taking a look at some stocks on the move this morning, shares of applied materials are higher after giving a sales forecast, topping estimates. Shares of Gap are up after comparable sales for the third quarter beat expectations. And despite the FTX breakdown, Amy, Bitcoin's heading for a weekly gain. It comes after Bitcoin's 23% slide last week when Sam Bankman-Fried's FTX empire collapsed. Right now, Bitcoin's up eight-tenths percent at $16,820. S&P futures are up 14 points. Dow futures up 81 points. NASDAQ futures up 50 points. Straight ahead, your latest local headlines and a check of sports. This is Bloomberg. All right, thank you, Nathan. 533 on Wall Street. Now let's bring in Michael Barr with more on what else is going on in New York and around the world. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, Amy. A dangerous storm that has the potential to bring heavy snow to western New York. It's already causing problems. Power outages are already being reported in the Buffalo area. Mark Polencars is the Erie County Executive. Uh, we've just been advised that there is a power outage of affecting 2,119 customers in the town of West Seneca. There are scattered, scattered outages elsewhere. Erie County Executive Mark Polencar says more than three feet of snow is forecast through the weekend. Governor Kathy Hochul says that even though heavy snowfall is nothing new, this storm might be life-threatening. Be ready for the worst. Have plenty of food in the refrigerator. And be ready to check in on your neighbors. Governor Hochul is urging people to stay off the roads during the storm. The New York author, who claims Donald Trump raped her in the 1990s, filed a public copy of a battery lawsuit she plans to bring against him next week. E. Jean Carroll, a former advice columnist with Elle magazine, will file the lawsuit on September 24th, November 24th, the day after a new state law takes effect to temporarily lift the statute of limitations on civil claims for sexual offenses. The filing was in federal court in Manhattan. North Korea fired an intercontinental ballistic missile that landed near Japanese waters in the second major weapons test this month. Japan's defense minister says the missile launched this morning had the capability to reach all of the U.S. mainland. Vice President Kamala Harris. We strongly condemn these actions, and we again call for North Korea to stop further unlawful destabilizing acts. Vice President Harris is in Thailand for the Asia-Pacific Economic Cooperation Leader Summit. A final Senate vote to pass legislation to protect the right of same-sex marriage will be pushed until after the Thanksgiving holiday. Global News, 24 hours a day, on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts from more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg. Amy. All right. Thank you, Michael.
Time now for the Sports Report brought to you by Tri-State Audi. Here's John Stashauer. All right, Amy, Aaron Judge said last night he was nervous waiting to hear if he was indeed American League MVP. He won easily. Got all but two first-place votes. Judge the 14th Yankee to be MVP, and those 14 have won 22 MVP awards. Will Judge have a chance to be a Yankee MVP again? He needs a new contract. Said last night he's hoping to sign somewhere soon. The Cardinals' Paul Goldschmidt won NL MVP. The guy who caught the ball in Texas, the judge hit for a 60-second home run, turned down $3 million. It'll be sold at auction. The Nets in Portland tied late. Royce O'Neal inbounding in the front court for Brooklyn. Moves it out top. Durant's got it. Slips a bit. Spins right. Elbow. Fade away. Is no good, but tipped in. It's tipped in with point seven. WFAN, the Nets won 109-107. Royce O'Neal's tip in. Capping a night where he had 11 points, 11 rebounds, and 11 assists. Kevin Durant scored 35. Nets come home to play Sunday, and Kyrie Irving might return from his suspension. Knicks tonight visit Golden State. College of St. John's beat Nebraska by 20 for Jack Soriano. 17 points, 18 rebounds. The Rangers scored late to tie, but lost in Seattle. 3-2 in overtime. The Islanders lost in Nashville. 5-4. The Devils stay red hot. A 3-2 OT win in Toronto. That's the Devils' 11th consecutive victory. Week 11 underway. Tennessee won at Green Bay 27-17. The Titans are pulling away in the AFC South, while the Packers, who did win last week to end a five game losing streak. They are way behind in the NFC. John Stash, our Bloomberg Sport. Jenny? All right, thank you, John. It is 537 on Wall Street. Time now for the Tri-State Business Report. Here with that is Bloomberg's Joan Doniger. The redo at MetLife Stadium set for next year still won't involve a grass field surface. The Post reports the stadium has told ESPN it's shopping for vendors to replace the current field with a new synthetic surface. It's a version of field turf, and that has drawn criticism from players, both from the Giants and Jets, worried about injury. Canadian-based bag brand Herschel Supply is opening a store in the Flatiron Building today. Women's Wear Daily says the brand operates only four stores in Canada right now, but it's planning a dozen or more in North America by the end of next year. And the Port of New York and New Jersey is still the busiest in the nation, despite a small drop in cargo movement. California's top ports are still working to clear up backlogs built during the pandemic, but the port beat its counterparts in L.A. and Long Beach for the third straight month. That's the Bloomberg Tri-State Business Report. I'm Joan Doniger. Thank you, Joan. It is 538 on Wall Street. Bloomberg Radio is on the air from San Francisco to New York, London to Hong Kong. Let's check in with our global news team for some of the top stories heard on our 300 affiliate radio stations around the world. I'm Steve Podisk on WFLA Tampa Bay. We're talking about the Winn-Dixie supermarket chain exploring a sale of the company. I'm Courtney Dunahoe on KTRH in Houston. A quarter of Americans face the risk of a winter power emergency. I'm Gina Cervetti, and for KCBS in San Francisco, I'm talking about Gap having a pretty good quarter and getting a handle on its merchandise buildup. I'm Jeff Bellinger, and on WTBN in Columbus, I'm reporting on the enhanced employee benefits at J.P. Morgan Chase. I'm Stephen Carroll on Bloomberg DAB Digital Radio in London. We've been reporting on reaction to the bleak new reality of recession and higher taxes for the UK after the Chancellor's autumn statement. 
And those are some of the stories our 2,700 Bloomberg journalists and analysts are working on this morning around the world. It's 539 on Wall Street. The following is an editorial from Bloomberg Opinion. This editorial was written by the Bloomberg Editorial Board. In one sense, investors and regulators should be grateful to Sam Bankman-Fried, the erstwhile head of the FTX cryptocurrency exchange. The spectacular flameout of his virtual empire has become a masterclass on everything that's wrong with crypto markets. Several lessons stand out. That crypto-denominated assets warrant skepticism, for example. That market capitalization isn't the same as value. And that accounting and consumer protections really do matter. Whatever the potential benefits of crypto, the surrounding speculative frenzy has little to do with them. On the contrary, it has mostly served to separate people from their money, as FTX has shown. Lawmakers and regulators should act to keep crypto from threatening the broader financial system. And in the meantime, the message for investors and traditional finance remains simple. Stay away. This editorial was written by the Bloomberg Editorial Board. For more Bloomberg Opinion, please go to Bloomberg.com opinion or OPIN Go on the Bloomberg Terminal. This has been Bloomberg Opinion. Bloomberg Opinion editorials can be heard every weekday at this time. Terminal customers can read more at OPIN Go. Futures are higher. S&P futures up 23 points. Dow futures up 132 points. NASDAQ futures up 85. Much more still to come on Bloomberg Daybreak. Stay with us on this Friday morning. This is Bloomberg. The Bloomberg Sports Report was brought to you by Audi. Don't let someone else drive off in the Audi model you've always wanted. Visit your local Tri-State Audi dealer to get behind the wheel of yours today or visit AudiOffers.com for more information. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business app, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. I'm Nathan Hager. European stocks are on the rise. U.S. futures are pointing to a stronger open on Wall Street after two days of losses triggered by Federal Reserve signals that interest rates are going to keep rising for a while yet. We check the markets every 15 minutes during the trading day on Bloomberg. Right now, S&P futures are up 20 points. Dow futures up 119. NASDAQ futures are higher by 77 points. DAX in Germany, CAC in Paris, both up about 1% right now. Ten-year Treasury is down 7.30 seconds. The yield 3.79%. Yield on the two-year 4.47%. NYMEX crude little changed up four cents at $81.68 a barrel. COMEX gold is up two tenths percent, three dollars eighty cents higher. 1781.60 gets you an ounce of gold. The euro 1.0376 against the dollar. British pound 1.91924. The yen 139.82. Bitcoin's three-tenths percent higher at $16,730. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael? Thank you very much, Nathan. The Biden administration is expected to ask the Supreme Court to reinstate the original plans to cancel the student debt relief. Biden officials are concerned that many Americans will experience a financial strain if the relief plans fizzle out. House Democrats showed support for Brooklyn native Hakeem Jeffries as their next leader to succeed Speaker Nancy Pelosi after she announced that she is stepping down. In the NBA, the Nets lost. In the NHL, the Rangers lost to the Kraken in OT 3-2. The Devils won their 11th straight. This one in OT against the Maple Leafs 3-2. The Islanders lost. The Bruins won. Capitals lost in a shootout to the Blues 5-4. In baseball, the Yankees' Aaron Judge won the AL MVP. 
The Cardinals' Paul Goldschmidt won the NL honor. Thursday night football, the Titans down the Packers 27-17. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Tank, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg Amy. All right. Thank you, Michael. 549 now on Wall Street, live from the Bloomberg Interactive Brokers Studios. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. We're joined now by Charlotte Ryland, co-head investment, CCLA Investment Management. Charlotte, good morning to you. Thank you for taking the good time morning. with us. The S&P, S&P 500 up about 10% from its October lows. Uh, want to know where you stand. Is the worst over? Is this a bear market rally? I think for us it still looks like a bear market rally. I mean, clearly we're... Uh... We were reacting to uh, that slightly weaker inflation number that we had. Um, I would say that, you know, it's still pretty high. Inflation 7.7 mm-hmm. is not exactly out the woods, is it? So um, so I think really for, for next year, the question is going to be less about inflation. It's probably going to be much more about what's the impact of the rise in interest rates, the rise in the cost of living on businesses and on the consumer, and what's going to be happening in terms of the earnings numbers. So I think for us, it's still a question of, you know, it could be a pretty difficult start to next year. And I'm not sure that's fully reflected in, in numbers yet. We have seen talk this week from Fed officials about raising those rates, keeping those rates higher, trying to fight inflation. Do you think a recession is inevitable? Um, I think if we're talking about Europe, I would certainly say so. And I think the UK, Europe, are much more difficult position than the U.S. economy. Um, and our, our view is that, yes, we're definitely going to have a slowdown in the U.S., quite possibly a recession. Um, and, you know, you're beginning to see, you know, sort of some size of the housing market in a more difficult place. You're beginning to see some big companies starting to shed labor. I mean, mainly that's the tech companies, but even so, you know, possibly that's sort of turning what has been a very tight job market. And, uh, you know, for the consumer, yes, they've had all of those COVID savings sitting on the balance sheets, but I imagine particularly it's sort of the lower end of, of the earnings scale, people are probably starting to burn through that, you know, definitely negative uh, real uh, incomes this year. What opportunities do you see ahead? Um, I mean, I think it's, it's much more a sort of, uh, you know, stock-specific basis for us rather than sort of piling into particular sectors. I mean, mm-hmm. the sort of more defensive end of the market has really held up well this year. So, you know, the staples, things like McDonald's, et cetera, um, and those, those are still continuing to print pretty good numbers, but certainly the valuations are looking a little stretched there. So for us, it's probably – more some of the healthcare names that we think look pretty interesting and certainly, you know, reasonably immune from what's going on within the economy. Um, and then there are parts of tech that are looking more interesting. And the semiconductor site sector has had a dreadful year. So, you know, companies like NVIDIA, for example, are beginning to look more interesting, possibly slightly too early on the numbers yet. But uh, you know, there are opportunities emerging in that kind of area, things like Adobe as well. Are there anything, any places we should avoid? Um, I think we need to be really careful about anything that's got a lot of leverage on its balance sheet. Um, clearly, with, with rates on a much higher trajectory, that's, that's not going to be helpful. Um, we still be reasonably cautious on the consumer and uh, consumer discretionary. Um, and, uh, you know, I think we probably, you know, we've had a great year from oil. Um, I'm not sure that that's going to be a great year for oil next year because I think, you know, you've had that rebound from the pandemic lows. And if you're into a slower economic environment, that tends to be not great for oil demand. Got about a minute here. What about geopolitical risks? How's that factor in? Uh, well, I mean, it's obviously been a big year for that as well, hasn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, Ukraine continues to, to rumble on. It, it doesn't seem to be escalating, which is thankful, despite, you know, that sort of uh, stray bombs going to Poland. But, um, you know, China, U.S., 
continues to be, you know, the big issue. Um, and clearly, sort of Biden and Xi having talks this this week has been been helpful, sort of calming a little bit of those tensions. But that that remains sort of the big issue, and I think that's going to be, you know, particularly things like the semiconductor complex, you know, that reliance that the West has on places like Taiwan, which are potentially vulnerable. I think that's going to continue to sort of drive people to sort of bring some of that key technology back home and back into friendlier nations. All right, clearly still some uncertainty out there. We're going to be watching it with you, Charlotte. Thank you so much for taking the time with us this morning. Charlotte Ryland is co-head of investments at CCLA Investment Management. Nathan. Okay, Amy, thank you. It's 5.53 on Wall Street. Time for the Bloomberg Law Report brought to you by American Arbitration Association. Business disputes are inevitable. Resolve faster with the American Arbitration Association, the global leader in alternative dispute resolution for over 90 years. More at ADR.org. Now let's get to the legal stories we're watching this morning with Bloomberg's Jeff Bellinger. The State Department announced that most U.S. consulates and embassies overseas have returned to normal operations after local pandemic restrictions were lifted. California's Workplace Safety Agency did not include a paid sick time provision in the state's permanent COVID-19 worker protection rules. A proposed class action accuses L'Oreal USA and related companies of failing to disclose the presence of toxic chemicals in hair relaxers. Bloomberg Law. Everything you need on one legal research platform. Guidance, analysis, and Bloomberg market intelligence. Find out more at BloombergLaw.com. Now, another legal story we're watching, a Tesla shareholders waging a long shot battle for Elon Musk to return stock options granted as part of his unprecedented $55 billion pay package. This week, Musk took the stand at Delaware Chancery Court defending his pay package that helped make him the world's richest man. For more, Bloomberg's June Grasso speaks with Eric Talley, a professor at Columbia Law School. In defending the compensation plan, Current and former Tesla directors have testified that it was important to keep Musk focused on and engaged in running Tesla. But he's basically a part-time CEO. Musk agreed with the shareholder's lawyer that at the time of this pay deal, he was spending about 54% of his time at Tesla, 36% at SpaceX, 10% on OpenAI, Boring, and Neuralink, And now he testified that he's spending almost all his time reorganizing Twitter. This makes this case one of the most unprecedented executive compensation cases that we've ever seen, quite frankly. Most CEOs don't work part-time at their companies. They they are full-time employees, and they're employees who are paid well to basically put every bit of their effort and attention into the welfare of the company. Musk has always been a little bit mercurial in in his habits, and in fact, they kind of knew that at the time, right? This was not one of these things where, you know, some of these other sideline ventures came up after the fact, other than Twitter. So, you know, there was a sense in which they sort of knew they were getting a guy who had divided attention. What are the questions that the judge has to answer to come to her decision? The two things that are going to be really important to understand is what was the context by which the shareholders of Tesla approved this compensation package, because it turns out that getting a shareholder vote, as long as it's a fully informed vote to approve a pay package, 
does a lot. It buys you a lot of real estate if you're trying to defend that pay package, but it's got to be kind of a by-the-book vote. A secondarily important issue is to what extent was the anticipated size of this compensation package within the realm of, you know, kind of a reasonable amount, something that would be fair to the other shareholders of Tesla, who after all were basically going to be diluting themselves a lot as these benchmarks got met and a bunch of these options got cashed out. So that part is really going to turn on, you know, how hard was it to meet these benchmarks? And so it turns out that the more likely it is that the shareholders actually, they knew what they were voting on, they voted with their eyes wide open, the more deference the judge is going to give to the pay package. On the other hand, if the shareholders kind of didn't know everything or felt sort of bullied or forced into this vote, then that pay package and its fairness is going to get more scrutiny in court. That's Eric Talley, professor at Columbia Law School, speaking with Bloomberg's June Grosso. Catch more of that interview plus analysis of the latest legal news by subscribing to the Bloomberg Law Podcast or downloading the show at Bloomberg.com slash podcast. Attorneys can find exceptional legal research and business development tools at BloombergLaw.com and on the Bloomberg Terminal at BlawGo. Futures pointing higher this morning. S&P futures are up 26 points. Dow futures up 154. NASDAQ futures are higher by 100 points. The 10-year Treasury is down 6.30 seconds. Yield 3.78%. Yield on the two-year 4.47%. Bloomberg Daybreak continues. This is Bloomberg. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.